I'm going crazy cause real life sucks I might quit my job because I hate it so much But I got new books and like they're the best So let's talk about them cause I'm pretty much obsessed Pretty much obsessed Pretty much obsessed Pretty much obsessed Hey everybody, welcome back to Pretty Much Obsessed uh, I am Dalton I am Chris and uh, we are coming back to you after a week's absence. We uh, apologize. We were gone for a week. Uh, we both had some pretty busy, pretty busy stuff going on. Uh, I was on tour with my band. Uh, Chris was dealing with election stuff. Um, because what? I don't know if you guys know this, but well, wasn't. Uh, Chris, Chris is Joe Biden. Um, You're not supposed to tell anybody. He, uh, he uses a fake name on here so that so that Obama doesn't find out. But. Uh, Chris is Joe Biden, so he loves comic books. Um, they wanted me to run for president, and I started a podcast instead. Yeah, well, you know what? I think you made the right choice. Um, obviously, we're not. We this is a comic book podcast, so we're not going to get into politics. But uh, one thing that is comic book related, I wanted to say about this election. Um, first of all, I'll say I, I don't think it's a surprise to anyone based on how Chris and I talk about like racial representation and stuff like that in comics that were both pretty liberal. Um, and, uh, it was, it was definitely a, a tough week, but, uh, on Wednesday morning, the morning after the election, uh, was new comic book day, you know, uh, every Wednesday, uh, is new comic book day. So I was kind of in a real dark, uh, dread place, uh, the entire day, but I went to my local comic book shop in the morning on my way to work. And the first comic book I picked up was Invincible Iron Man number one, uh, which features Riri Williams, a 15 year old super genius black girl as the main character and hero of that book. Uh, and I read it first thing when I got on the train and, uh, it made me feel a little bit better, you know, that, uh, even if, you know, our president, uh, doesn't necessarily see all people as being equals, um, storytellers still do, uh, some storytellers. So, uh, it was, uh, it was a good thing to kind of give me a little bit of a bright spot on that Wednesday. Um, yeah. Invincible Iron Man number one, check it out. Um, good, good book overall, aside from the, the kind of, um, From kind of like the representation aspect of it, yeah, I really enjoyed uh, number one. I think there's a there's a twist at the end, um, which I don't I don't think is a spoiler. But this is a spoiler show, so if you really don't want to know anything about Invisible Iron Man number one, don't listen. But uh, at the end, uh, it turns out that uh, her AI that she's gonna like have in her suit and like be her mentor is Tony Stark. So Tony Stark is apparently dead or something. We don't know. Again, Civil War two hasn't ended, but he's gone. But he gifts her this like artificial intelligence version of himself, like a holographic Tony Stark that's going to kind of serve as her mentor and uh, guide as she learns how to be Iron Man. And I thought that was a really cool concept that like she is going to have sort of a Tony Stark watching over her shoulder. Is Tony Stark a good influence? No, (laughs) probably not. Uh, And I'm sure we'll see a lot of that too. Um you know, he's been sober for a few decades now, though. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Well, that's good. Um, 
But yeah, what do we have in uh, comic book news? Let's talk about nerdy stuff. Let's. Uh, uh, let's well, in on. terms of news, this isn't that timely anymore, but it's been a couple weeks since we recorded. So since our last mm-hmm. episode, Doctor Strange has come to theaters, and I know we're going to talk yeah. a little bit more about that in terms of what you thought about it. You're um, going to get Dalton's <clears throat> review of Doctor Strange at the end of this episode here. Correct. I have not seen it as revenge for... Dalton not seeing Suicide Squad. Uh, however, I understand <laughs> I that it is going to come back and bite me in the ass. It is apparently quite good. Uh, it's got a ninety percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Eighty five. In you can't stop saying approval rating. Eighty five. I am not Joe Biden. Eighty five million dollars uh, brought in during the opening weekend, uh, and as of today, which is Sunday, November thirteenth, when we're recording this, uh, it's brought in four hundred ninety-two point six million. So, I really like the idea of a, a recurring bit where I keep, where I I'm convinced that you're Joe Biden. You're like, no, I'm not. Yeah, well, not Joe you Biden. just made that a thing today. So, ah, oh, Joe. I mean, Chris. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about Dr. Strange. I understand Dalton also has a, a pretty positive review. Yes. Uh, yeah. With some, with some caveats, I'm going to, I'll go into it. Are we going to talk about that before books or are we going to do it after? I was going to save it for the end. Usually yeah, we I talk thought. about the media stuff at the end. Okay. Um, Suicide Squad extended cut digital release is coming uh, in just a couple days. Fine. I'll watch it. It'll be here on November oh 15th, God. which is this coming Tuesday. So it may even be available right now, depending on when you listen to this. Uh, very excited for that. Hoping that It'll be a little bit better, which I still like that movie. I think it's good. It's fun. It's a real romp. Would I, you rather I watch this version first or the theatrical version first? Ooh. I'm probably only going to watch one of them. I'm not going to watch this movie twice unless I really love it. Well, that's tough because I want you to see the best version. Do you want me to wait until you've seen the, the new cut? Yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait until you watch it and then you can tell me which one to watch. No, just watch the just watch the new one and then we'll talk about and then we'll we're gonna talk about it on the next episode that we do. We'll we'll talk about it and we'll just we'll pretend that the theatrical cut never happened. If it if this one's better. I'm it it it, it has to be. <laughs> uh Harley Quinn film uh is is apparently definitely coming. And How could it not? They've named a screenwriter, which is Christina Hodson. Hey, well, female screenwriter for a female-led superhero movie. Yay! Yeah, yeah. Very good stuff. Uh, she was the writer for Shut, which is not anything I've seen or really know anything about, but uh, she wrote that. Let me look up this person. It's Christina, what she's known for. Christina what? Erickson? <clears throat> Hodson, H-O-D-S-O-N. I don't know where I got Erickson from. Well, they both end with uh, son. Shut In, apparently, is the name of the movie. Oh, okay. Oh, she's also uh, writing the untitled Bumblebee Transformers film. Okay, and not interested in that, but some of you folks (laughs) out there maybe will be. Um, There are rumors also circulating on the webs of uh, an appearance in that Harley Quinn film by Batgirl and the Birds of Prey which would be pretty cool. Uh, it seems like DC is very much engaged with the themes of female empowerment and having a lot of strong female roles in their films, and I you know, obviously that's a good thing. 
Um, I don't mean to uh, poop on the parade, uh, which is a saying. Um, Definitely heard people but, say that before. Yeah. Uh, I just looked up shut-in on Wikipedia, and it has 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. I didn't know that was possible. It has an actual 0%. Okay. To be fair, only based on 16 reviews. Is there anything, do you see anything she did that people actually liked? The only other movie she's done has not come out yet. All right. Well, verdict is still out for Christina Hodson, (laughs) but maybe this will be her big break. I have faith. And, you know, Margot Robbie is actually not only, you know, reprising her role as Harley Quinn, but she's going to be producing this film as well. Oh, good. So I have a lot of faith in the project. Like that Margot Robbie. I would love to see, personally, this is just my wish list. There's not really any rumors for this or anything to back it up yet. But I would love to see Poison Ivy as a central character in this film. And I think they could do a lot with um, kind of exploring the relationship between Harley and Ivy because they are, they're very close friends. And generally, Ivy is kind of like the foil to Joker in Harley's life. She's kind of like the strong influence that is saying, like, you got to get away from this guy. He's horrible. Um, and kind of gives her like a shoulder to cry on and kind of the strength to, to move away from Joker. So I think they could do a ton with that uh, in this in this film, and I think that would be really good drama. Yeah. And kind of close the door on what a lot of people thought in Suicide Squad was a glamorized depiction of an abusive relationship, which we could debate about that, but we're not going to, especially because you haven't, I haven't seen, seen it. it. So <laughs> We'll debate about it once I've seen it. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward um, to all the hate tweets that I'm going to get. Speaking of big news, hey, if we got any <clears throat> tweets at all. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've still got that t-shirt, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was afraid that somebody would tweet at me after the last episode and that I'd have to give away that shirt, which I don't particularly want to, but I felt like I would have to, but then nobody tweeted. Especially if, so. someone, if someone tweeted at you like, hey, fuck you, and then you have to give them a t-shirt for it. <laughs> um, Still got the shirt, any- though, so... Other other big news, uh, we may we might be having another live in the same room episode coming up, uh, where uh, Chris is going to be here in New York this time for Thanksgiving. Well, uh, I don't know if we, we. I mean, we may get to. I thought we would do it on Black Friday, but you're going to be working. We can still do it. I'm only working. I can work, record it before or after. Didn't you say eight to eleven? No, eleven to eight. Oh. I'm sure 8 to 11 would be a crazy shift. That's like when I worked at Best Buy for Black Friday. Well, 11 to 8, that's like the same. That's still bad. Why don't we record it maybe, well, I don't know if we'll have time on Thanksgiving, but we could release it on Black Friday if we have time. Yeah, I really wanted to go out in the field and record from like live from Target. Like, yeah. People are really going crazy for these new 3DSs. <laughs> oh, well, I just saw just saw someone get tackled. Dalton, what's going on with you? And then, like, you're over at Best Buy. <laughs> well, things are tense over here as people are going for the NES Classic. Just saw a homeless uh, man kill a family. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, that's unrelated to Black Friday. That's just New York City. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. New York City is not like that. New York City is uh, a wonderful place um, with a wonderful mayor. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll probably release something that weekend. Um, and, uh, yeah, it will, uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it, but we'll, uh, we'll be seeing each other again soon. We, we definitely will release something if we feel like it. A Christmas gift giving guide. 
I'm definitely going to be taking you to Forbidden Planet, which is one of my favorite, probably my favorite nerdy shop. In There's New another York. shop you told me about that you were like, I finally got to go, and I think you got some Mario wall magnet. The think, yeah, the Think magnets. Geek store. Yeah, we, I want to go there. store is that really cool. We'll so definitely cool. go there. Uh, we, we could probably go down to Midtown Comics, too. I think I've taken you there before. Have I taken you to Midtown Comics? No. Isn't there like a super groovy Nintendo store in New York, too? There is a Nintendo store, too. Yeah, we can check that out. We'll go to all the nerdy spots. I am dying to go to that. Then maybe we could yeah. do an episode about like how awesome that all was. Yeah, we could do just like a tour of all the nerdy spots in uh, in New York. Or maybe we just won't do an episode. I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, any other news? That was all I had. I'm sure there's other news. <laughs> Probably, but I think we've both been looking at news that is maybe not comic book related for the last couple weeks. Uh, so let's talk about those I 538 wanna, poll wanna, numbers. I just want to keep recording this podcast for as much longer as we're allowed to. <laughs> Until we have to register with the uh, Ministry of Podcasts. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, let's talk comics then. Yeah. Move let's talk about, um, <clears throat> let's, well, okay. DC or Marvel first? Uh, let's do DC. I think uh, we usually start with me rambling about Marvel, it feels okay, like. So uh, let's I have, some DC stuff. I'm going to do a quick rundown real quick of, of all the books that, that I want to talk about. Sure. Which is, for Marvel, Champions, and I'm going to kind of yeah. comment on one and two because I just read number one. Avengers number one, Clone Conspiracy oh, number two. Yes. And then for DC, I've got Red Hood, Superman, and All Star Batman number four. I'm what I'm I'm not sure what yeah. the numbers were for Red Hood and Superman. Wait, you didn't want to talk about Batman number ten? Did did we? Oh, we haven't done that yet. No. Oh man, it's crazy going for. We were doing every week for a while, and now we're ever now we're. We've gone two weeks, so okay. I yeah, want we'll, you to answer for me why Batman just keeps saying the same thing over and over again in that issue. Oh, I yeah, okay. All right, we'll talk about that. I didn't really understand it. I don't have any notes on it, but we can talk about it. Yeah. Um, did you read Flintstones number five? No. Uh, it was very good. It was about the election. Or not about the election. It was about an election in Bedrock. Uh, the election for mayor, and then simultaneously the election for class president at Bam Bam's uh, school. Um, and so I, I, goes, I assume it was just about elections in general and how stupid it all is. Yeah, it's sort of about elections, but also about war, because you finally see like the war that uh, Barney and uh, Fred fought in, you know, that keeps getting referenced that they have PTSD about. Uh, yeah. It was actually kind of a really dark issue, um, but very, very funny. Um, this so continues a, to just be a great series. Yeah, it's a reasonably dark series. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty dark. Uh, I did finally get around to reading that the one about marriage, and it was oh my god, it was so good. It's this one isn't that good because I think that issue about marriage is maybe one of the best comic books I've ever read. Like one of the best single issues. Yeah, just, it was. So, so that so was number. Good. That was number four, that was number right? Number four, yeah. And they cram so much into one issue, and I've, I don't know if I've ever seen it done before, where they manage to get so much into one. Because normally, when you try to cram too much into an issue, it really shows, and the whole thing just kind of falls apart. But the, it was so good. Yeah, I'm it like, was more, uh, more of that, please. Yes. Um, yeah, and it was very. It was. 
it didn't feel rushed or anything. Like the pacing was still very intact, even though it crammed in so much stuff. Yeah. Uh, so what did, you, what did you think of Red Hood? Do you have the number for which one is the most recent? Red Hood was number four. Okay. Red Hood uh, number four. Red, Red Hood and the Outlaws number four. Um, I thought it was okay. I... I'm losing a little bit of the momentum I think it had when it first started with that excellent number one issue and that rebirth issue. Um, I'm still enjoying it, and I'm still going to keep reading it, but uh, I don't know. At this point, I just feel like it's very competent, and the art is still fantastic. I mean, the art is still amazing, uh, but it's just sort of lacking some like extra factor that's really that, that would really draw me in. So here's what um, I'll and say. I don't know what it is. Here's what I'll say in response to that is that, you know, th- when it first started, it's kind of like introducing you to who the Red Hood is, yeah. which is already well established through years and years of comic book lore. So, yeah. you know, now they've kind of broken into trying to establish something new and set up something new. So I think that's why it's kind of like slowed down a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I really like, like where the it's, getting the team together phase. <clears throat> yeah, and I think it's pretty cool where it's going and how they kind of laid out. They kind of spelled it out, and I guess maybe I should be a little embarrassed that I needed them to spell it out for me. But the way that they're doing this sort of dark trinity concept, where each member of the of the gang here is sort of like an offshoot of one of the three trinity heroes. Yeah, I do like that. Yeah, I hadn't really caught on to that at first, but now that they spelled it out in this last issue. It's obvious, and uh, I don't know. I just think that's pretty cool. It, it kind of helps me understand why they decided to throw Bizarro in there, because I always thought that was a very odd choice. And it's still an odd choice. Uh, <laughs> but I feel like but, they're um, making it work already. Yeah, this this issue definitely felt a lot more natural, I think, than the last one where he was first introduced. Yeah. Um, where uh, Jason slash Red Hood is like going in and... Uh, talking to Bizarro and calming him down and coming within an inch of being murdered by Bizarro. But then he pulls out the little Superman plushie and he's like, <laughs> what's, what's, he's got that little name for it. I forget. But, uh, Pup Pup. Pup Pup. Yeah. He calls him Pup Pup. Yeah. I don't know. I like it. I think it's going to yeah. get, I think it's going to get pretty good. Oh, I'm definitely still on board. Um, yeah. You know, uh, it's definitely, I mean, it's like one of those, there's a lot of uh, comics that I like follow week to week that I don't always mention on the show. Things like Moon Knight and Spider-Woman and stuff like that, that I think are excellent series, but uh, maybe just don't have the extra little push to get into like something that I really want to talk about. And I feel like this kind of is in that ranking where it's something that I want to read, but I don't know that I necessarily have something specific to say about it. Okay. I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about it in the future. I'm just saying, you know, like I don't have a lot of specific. Uh, yeah, no, that's totally things fine to say about it. I ha- I don't know if I'm kind of touched on this already, but I have the most to say today about champions, and I have really I think champions we're going to talk about a lot and clone yeah. conspiracy too. I just have questions, but um, okay, let's go on to Superman. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm trying to let me pull it up here because uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, oh, we haven't talked about Superman Ten yet. We just talked about it uh, via text message. Yeah, right. This was a great issue. 
I am back on board with Superman. It kind of lost me for that story about like the dinosaurs and stuff, but well, I w- I kind of got lost back during that whole Annihilator thing, and then there were a couple that kind of got me interested again, but they were just yeah, there's the one-off. state fair, the state yeah. fair issue and stuff like that. Um, this one I thought was really fun. It just feels like this series doesn't know what it is yet. It's like jumping all over the place. I mean, there was the big Annihilator story and then yeah. this fun little state fair thing. And then it went to this dinosaur thing that was referencing other DC series. And now it's, uh, it just, uh, it's kind of going all over the place. And I've liked about half of what this series overall has done, but yeah. this issue was very good. But I will say that when I like it, I really, really like it. Yeah. And the art on this is fantastic. Like it's, he, the artist who, who does the art on this? I'm trying to remember. Um, let me see. Uh, Patrick Gleason. Patrick Gleason does a really good job of like drawing kids and making them be kids and kind of have like a childish air to them. But a lot yeah. of artists that do kids really well and make them feel like kids, the whole book kind of feels very childish. And yeah. this, and Patrick Gleason does a really good job of also balancing with like, uh, actually drawing Superman and Batman in very like contemporary comic style. Uh, and the two merge like really well. Like I'm looking at this panel right now where like Batman and Superman are like toe to toe and Batman's got the kryptonite batarang and they're looking super intense and the veins are popping out on Superman's neck and Batman's all growly. And then there's just like little Superboy in the back, you know, looking like a little kid in his little zip up jumpsuit, you know? And, uh, right. I think that's a that's a pretty impressive feat to uh, pull off on a book like this. Agree, agree with all. And I tweeted this, but that uh, that full page panel of Superboy punching Robin in the stomach, yeah, panel of the week, panel of the month. I loved it. It it's uh, it's such a good page. So you like this um, Superboy Robin rivalry that's being set up here? I mean, look, Damien's a little shit. <laughs> and this was my first exposure to him. I have never heard of Damien. Uh, I had never seen him in a comic before. And he's just the worst. And I don't know that I necessarily buy that Batman puts up with this kid. I mean, I guess it is his son. But, like, there's kind of, like, there's too big a gulf for me to ne- necessarily be able to swallow between them. But the interaction between him and Superboy, I was all about this this issue. No, yeah, he does. He does like put up with them. I mean, obviously he has to. And kind of the thing about Damien is that he's got this huge, massive, ridiculous ego. But in a way, he's almost got like the sort of awesomeness to back it up a lot of the time. Because, I mean, he is Bruce Wayne's kid. So he's got that intellect and the detective skills. Plus, he was raised initially by the League of Assassins, which includes Rachel Ghoul. Right. Um, so, you know, he's definitely got the, the badass factor. Um, and it, I mean, it kind of reminds me of like Gary Oak from the anime, from yeah. the Pokemon anime yeah, where like, he's very Gary Oak. Yeah. He's kind of like being a douche all the time, but he's also like <laughs> so cool that people let it slide. And that's kind of how I feel about Damien a lot of the time. Um, but I definitely enjoyed seeing him get the nice uh, gut punch from Superboy, who I can uh, – John, I guess it would be John Clark or John Kent is his John name. John Kent, yeah. I haven't heard it enough times for it to be like cemented in my mind the way Damian Wayne is. But 
Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I enjoyed that one. Looking forward to the next one. Um, go check it out if you haven't yet. Superman number 10. Yeah. I'm really taking the series on like an arc by arc basis now. Yeah, that's pretty fair. What else do we have? Let's see. What was the last DC title that I mentioned? Uh, we had All-Star Batman oh, yeah. number four. All-Star Batman number week. four. I don't like All-Star Batman. Really? I've you have, decided. You've fallen off the uh, All-Star Batman train. Yeah, I uh, I just have... This is the issue where I decided I don't like this. Okay. I can I, never really follow, the, fully follow the story and what's going on. Um... I feel like the story can never really follow itself. I'll admit it's a little, it's jumping around a little all over the place, but I am still on board because I think it's got some really incredible action sequences. Um, I think it's fast paced uh, in a cool way that uh, where it's like where the environments are shifting all the time and the villains are shifting. uh, And it's just sort of like a fun kind of beat em up adventure. that definitely has yeah, a lot of and ridiculousness to it, but cool action sequences are fun, but they don't carry a story for me, you know? Well, that's true. Like I said, like I <clears throat> if this were if this were the main Batman title, I would be very disappointed. And there really um, is very little actual plot here, I feel. Like it's it's a lot of just I'm still hauling two face and he's still trying to give away everybody's secrets and yeah, I mean, and, it, oh, it, now another fight. You know, <laughs> it's this is just, just this whole story is just an excuse for every supervillain in the Batman universe to show up and attack him. You know, yeah, and I don't, uh, I just, I just, just don't the whole like premise. That. That's not what I want out of a Batman story, I guess. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'm still down with it. Uh, this this issue didn't, you know strike me as much as issue three did. Um, I think this story is getting dangerously close to overstaying its welcome. I mean, clearly it already has for you, you know, uh, like how long can they really keep up this narrative of four issues? I think because so much happens in each issue seems like a, a long time and yeah. I hope it wraps up with the next issue. Cause I don't like, I can't read eight issues of this, you know, like it's gotta give me a new arc soon. I'm not probably going to, like, really read any more of it. That's fair. I'll tell you if it gets, because like, really I s- good. I still don't even really understand, like, where it's at continuity-wise. I mean, I, I, I guess it must be following the same continuity, but it just doesn't feel like it exists in the same world. Man, I don't understand anything about DC continuity at this point. Yeah, but at least with DC, I can... <clears throat> at least with DC, you can pick up a book and understand what's going on, as opposed to, like, this is my big criticism, and I was going to wait until we get to the talking about clone conspiracy to really bring this out, but I guess I will yeah. now, because it I feel like it's kind of come up, is, like, DC is doing a really good job right now of making their books really accessible, which is I that's, think is... Well, that was, yeah, one of the points of Rebirth. Yeah, and I think that's... Yeah. The extent to which they're doing a good job with that, I think, is evident in how much you've been enjoying so many of their titles with you know, yeah. very little knowledge of any of the history or anything. And I feel like since we started this show, um, I've read a lot of Marvel books and I don't think I've read us any yet that I really understand what's going on, except I guess the, well, the exceptions would be, um, vision was pretty self-contained. Yeah. Um, if you want to count vote Loki, but I don't feel like that really counts. Um, yeah champions is is really good really easy to get into 
Yeah. But I've read so much stuff where I'm just like, what? Huh? What? Huh? What? Who's he? What happened? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's been the <clears throat> thing with superhero continuity for a long time is that part of part of getting into superhero comics is kind of, unless you're jumping in on something like Ultimates or Rebirth, it's kind of a leap of faith just going in and saying, I don't know who these characters are, but I will probably figure it out, you know? Uh, and it was the way with for DC for a long time. And DC has the advantage this year of just doing this uh, Rebirth thing, which by resetting sort of their continuity, it gives readers like me a chance to come in and marvel has done that periodically too like the end of secret wars was kind of a good opportunity for that but it's you know we can't have comic book companies rebooting their continuity constantly because then it doesn't reward the longer term readers you know uh like i think rebirth is really frustrating rebirth and uh new 52 really frustrated a lot of people that were like that suddenly had this continuity that they had spent a long time reading and knowing and learning suddenly getting reset, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think it's essential to do that periodically. Uh, But I like what Marvel's doing right now with, like, these kind of new number ones, uh, which don't reboot the characters necessarily. Like, we have Avengers number one this week, which I think is a good jumping on point, but it continues a Kang story from the previous Avengers run, you know? Uh, So it's not a clean start. It's not necessarily a clean start, but really no comic book is going to be unless they're doing a a full reboot of the character or or fresh creative team or something like that. Well, with that said, we can kind of segue into Marvel now, I I think, and let's let's talk about Avengers 1. Yeah. Um, I did not particularly care for it because I didn't understand what was going on. I wasn't crazy about the art style personally. I have a lot to say about good old Mike Del Mundo. I love Mike Del Mundo. I thought his art was really interesting and I thought it was a cool style and I thought that I would totally hang this on my wall, but I didn't really enjoy it for reading a comic book. I can understand that. Um, Mike Del Mundo TBH is my favorite artist in comics right now. Uh, I'm just laughing because you said TBH. (laughs) uh, I love Mike Del Mundo. I've loved him on Elektra and on Weird World, and he does a lot of covers. Um, I will admit that I am still skeptical whether he works for a book like this. Like Weird World, he fit really well because... All it was was crazy monsters and mythical jungles and, you know, like really bizarre fantasy stuff that his style really fit really well. Does, does he uh, do the colors too? Yeah. Uh, I think he did the colors on this one in, <coughs> in like, with someone else. Yeah, okay. colors were Mike Del Mundo with Marco D'Alfonso. I had a feeling that that might be the case because it does seem like the colors are, like, it seems like, it doesn't seem like the kind of coloring where it could be done by different people. No, it seems it's very, like it's all like, embedded in the style. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that. So I, I don't know if it's going to work for the Avengers because while he works so well in like niche comic books and like sort of off the wall stuff, the Avengers is sort of designed to be like classic superhero kind of thing. And his style is so unique that I don't know that it gels perfectly. 
Um, but I love his artwork so much that I'm okay. I just like savored this comic, like every single panel. I, I read this comic very slowly because I just wanted to like take in all the artwork in every panel. And I feel like if you go too fast, the artwork may be a little disorienting. Yeah. Um, but by taking my, like really taking time and like soaking in everything, I, I found it very rewarding. Um, um I just, I didn't know who the people really were. I haven't like followed who? the continuity. Well, I, I don't know. I don't remember all the names and whatnot because I, I don't know them. Because I don't know that it's necessarily, <laughs> that, it, that it's necessary. Like, we've got a new wasp. We've got Nadia Pym as the wasp. But you don't really need to know where she came from to understand that she is a superhero on the Avengers, you know? We've got female Thor. We've got Falcon, Captain America. We have Hercules, uh, which is sort of the out of left field choice for this team. Uh, we got Spider Man, and we have Vision. Um, so while we do have some new characters like Nadia Pym and Hercules, I don't know that the that the story really hinged on knowing too much about them. Uh, I, well, I think it's just harder for me to find any interest in them, but. Then again, I didn't really know the, the characters and champions very well either, but I'm already invested in them. I don't know. I just I felt detached from this. I felt like I just couldn't get interested. Um, it's interesting to note that Champions and Avengers are written by the same guy, Mark Wade. Okay. Um, this is sort of like he, he did uh, the previous Avengers title, which was sort of a mix between Champions and Avengers. So it was like Thor and Vision and Iron Man and Cap – along with Miss Marvel and uh, Nova and uh, I'm trying to remember who else there was another. Oh, and Miles Morales, Spider-Man. Um, so this is sort of like that team has split off now into champions and this Avengers team, uh, but it's still the same writer writing both of them. Um, I think it was, I understand why they did this at a number one issue, but it's definitely this whole story with Kang the Conqueror is picking up, on a story yeah, well, that okay, happened so in the, the first Avengers. Uh, see, the there you go. It's run. like Kang. It's like, I don't. I didn't know who that dude was. I didn't understand what was really threatening about him. And there's all this stuff about time and space. And he can manifest wherever he wants. And I'm just like, I don't I don't get it. And so I think a lot of it goes to that. It's like the, the primary like aspect of the plot was the conflict with Kang. And I didn't know the history there. So I was just kind of like, I don't. I don't know. I think I, I think it might have just clicked for me. I think I know what Marvel's trying to do here uh, with these Mark Wade books. Um, I think Avengers is, or I think Champions is for is designed for the new readers, and Avengers is positioned towards the existing readers. Okay, I think that's really what the division is. I think Champions, with its younger characters and its new characters is designed for like, hey, if you're getting into comics and you're young or, you know, this is your first time reading Marvel, Champions is what you go for. And Avengers is like, you're the Marvel fan. You know who Kang is. Kang is a major villain in the Marvel universe. Um, and if you know him, you know, you're going to like Avengers. Or if you're like a big fan of the movies and you just really want to pick up and follow the Avengers. But I think this is definitely a book that's geared slightly more towards existing fans because also one of the things i've noticed with mark wade in this book is that he's he's definitely channeling like stan lee era avengers like that's the kind of story he's telling he's got this small avengers team of just six people 
versus like Hickman's recent run, which had like 30 Avengers, you know, it was like a gigantic team that, you know, couldn't be kept up with. Um, and he's telling like old school comic book stories. He's like, oh, here's the alien guy that travels through time. How are the Avengers going to stop him? And now he's going to erase them from ever existing. You know, like he's telling like very fantastical, like sixties era Avengers stories. And I think that's also something that speaks more towards long-term comic book readers than new readers, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think if that's what they're going for, they're doing a great job because I, Personally, I can't necessarily recommend Avengers number one to new readers, but I can yeah. definitely a thousand, hundred thousand times recommend <laughs> Champions to anybody. So yeah, I think that's I think that's accurate. I loved Avengers, but I can I this issue, but I can definitely see how it's more geared for someone who knows the Marvel style and the Marvel roster. Yeah, yeah. Can we talk about Champions? Let's talk about champions. I love champions. Yeah, um, I love the art style. I think it's that Amato that Ramos. That is what I'm looking for when I read a comic book. I want it to look like that. I will say I love Humberto Ramos and I love everything he's doing in this except his Miss Marvel. I think his the facial expressions he gives Miss Marvel are like, who is this character? That is not the Miss Marvel I know. I guess I should put a caveat on that because like I don't necessarily want every book to look like that, but for the personality and the tone of this book, it's it's perfect. It, it fits, it. yeah, it fits really perfectly. Yeah. Um, and it's, like, easy to follow. It's not disorienting. It's not disjointed. It's, like, you can always see what's going on, except yeah. for that part with the mine where they're trying to rescue the miners. It gets a little mm-hmm. weird there, but I, that's just because that's some really hard stuff to draw. Yeah. Um, I love the characters. This was my first uh, introduction to Amadeus, the new Hulk. Yeah, Amadeus Cho. And he's awesome. He's great. He's he's great because he's, like, super <clears throat> cocky, and uh, he makes, like, a good foil to, like, you know, Miss Marvel's kind of, like, let's get down to business attitude. Yeah, I like, I personally enjoy him more than Bruce Banner. Yeah, he's, uh, he's great, but uh, no disrespect to the dead. R.I.P. Bruce. Yeah, I mean, sure. That's, that's, <laughs> that's fair. Um. So one question I have is, who is this new Spider-Man, and why do they just call him Spider-Man? Why doesn't he have some other kind of name? Uh, he was uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. So, um, and so let's give a little bit of history lesson. Of course, you and I read the Ultimate Universe when it came out back in like the year two thousand, and which sort okay. of rebooted all these Marvel characters. And one of the characters yeah. was Spider-Man, but it was Peter Parker, and for. I think a couple hundred issues we had that and then they killed Peter Parker uh, in the ultimate universe. Um, And one of the things about the ultimate universe was when someone dies, they stay dead, which they eventually ended up breaking those rules, but it was pretty much Peter Parker's dead. That's it. Um, But to they, instead they created a new character for the ultimate universe named Miles Morales, who is half black, half Latino. Um, And he, gets bit by a radioactive spider and he becomes the new Spider-Man in the ultimate universe. And Mm. he was a runaway hit. I mean, he was diversity in comic books before it was as prevalent as it is now. People were demanding it because all the characters were white, but we didn't have Miss Marvel. We didn't have, uh, you know, uh, Amadeus Cho and Asian, uh, Hulk, you know, Um, and so to have a Spider-Man that was half black, half Latino was a really big deal. And the book sold like crazy. 
Um, and he was a huge character. So at the conclusion of the Ultimate Universe, he was warped to this exactly. Kind of universe. Exactly. He actually. So when Secret Wars happened, the Ultimate Earth and or the Primary Earth sort of collided with each other, and in all that chaos, all the Ultimate heroes were fighting the Earth heroes, and Ultimate Spider-Man ended up on a ship on a ship with the uh, main Earth Avengers. Uh, and I think after Secret Wars ended, he ended up in the primary universe. Um, so now, because if they were going to kill the Ultimate Universe, but the only thing that was still successful about the Ultimate Universe was Miles Morales. Okay. Like, he was just too big of a star to kill. And so they brought him over, and uh, Peter Parker met him and was basically like, yeah, you can be Spider-Man too. Like, he was very <laughs> impressed with Miles Morales and was like, yeah. Let's do it. I just think it's funny that they both are called Spider-Man. I think it's funny they're both called Spider-Man, but I think it also works because now we have... Because Peter Parker's grown up, you know? He's not the teen he was. He's, like, owning Parker Industries. Now we have a Spider-Man that still speaks to the sort of classic version of Spider-Man, which is this frantic, stressed out... And I like that. That's one of the things I like about Champions. It's like... To me, that's the Spider-Man that I know and love is like that mm-hmm. kind of personality and stuff. Now, can he turn invisible? Um, yeah, so he has a couple different spider, uh, a couple different uh, spider powers from Spider-Man. One of which is sort of a uh, electric shock that he can give, and one is like a temporary like invisibility. Are there spiders that can do the those things? Uh, I think it was justified in the Ultimate thing. I think. Uh, because uh, Spider-Woman also has a bioelectric shock. Uh, I think they both have that. The invisibility was based on some sort of spider that... I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know what I'm talking about. But okay. they justified it somehow. I remember okay. it. That's good enough for me. Explained. Case closed. Um, yeah. I love Viv Vision still. She's my favorite thing in the world. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. I want to read every book with her always, forever. <laughs> uh, like the part where they're at the campfire and they're ragging on uh, Hulk for eating so much food. And he's saying something about, like, I burn a lot of calories. And somebody's like, how many mm-hmm. calories are there in an entire cow? And she starts calculating it and being like, assuming 25% fat, you know? And, like, <laughs> I love those little moments with her. I love her personality. I, I really love the page where uh, Miss Marvel says something about ghost stories. Oh, and yeah. Viv is like, ghosts, alive but not, human but not, yeah. intangible. Miss Marvel, did you introduce this topic to serve as... A microaggression. Yeah, and her and like there's like six panels where her face gets like scarier and scarier. You yeah, know? yeah. And Miss oh, Marvel's like, no, no, I swear. She's so good. Um, yeah. and I that's what I love about this book is that in addition to like what you expect in a superhero book, which is action and cool powers and stuff, there's also a lot of personality and good exchanges between the characters. And those are usually the books that I get the most attached to is where it's kind of like you're being introduced to this little family that you feel like you become a part of. Yeah. Uh, what'd you think of that last page? Uh, I was, I was going to not spoil it for people in case okay. they haven't read this. I'll just say that the art on the last page is really incredible. Yeah. That Hulk it's, looks good. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty, um, yeah, it's good. It's very good. Very good book. I I am really looking forward to number three. Is this bi-weekly? Uh, I believe all the Marvel titles are still monthly. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, DC I'm glad for that the we win, have... bringing us those bi-weekly titles. I don't know. You wanted it, you got it, baby. Much. Uh, as long as they stay good, I'm fine with it. Um, I'm glad that we finally have a Marvel title that you're enthusiastic about since the end of Vision. Yeah, me too. Um, because... <laughs> Um, next is clone conspiracy and I'm kind of mad about it. Well, here, so let me justify you reading clone conspiracy. I told you it's building off years of Spider-Man stories. Right. And Dan Slott says it in the back. And I didn't really believe, I was just like, no, it'll be fine. Like, I'll just You wanted to read Spider-Man. I was like, all right, right, I'll kind of catch you up. I'll give you the, but it is seriously building on years of Spider-Man stories. But at this point, I'm way more into Miles Morales anyway. So if, is there, is there a Miles title? There is. It's just called Spider-Man. Uh, how many issues? Is there a new story arc or anything starting? Um, you know, it's been coming out a little irregularly. Uh, I'll read, I'll read a little, that. A little frustrating, but I believe there are eight issues so far. I don't really care about this grown-up Peter Parker who's basically being Bruce Wayne and like running a company and stuff. It's just, I don't know. I, I feel like I don't know him. That's fair. That's totally fair. Uh, I... I enjoyed Clone Conspiracy number two a lot more than number one. I thought this gave me a lot more to go off of, and I'm enjoying it now. But I've been reading Spider-Man for years. Like, I know all the stuff that this has been building off of. Yeah. And uh, I I don't think it's a good jumping on point. Okay. Um, I will say, let me, I'm, I'm looking up right now. I, I think... might keep reading Clone Conspiracy, to be honest, because even though there's so much that I don't understand, I'm kind of invested now. And there's one big thing that I almost hate to even give away in this issue for people give that haven't away. read it. Because it was like, Spoilers. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Spider-Gwen? Yeah. So yeah. Sp- there's a Spider-Gwen reveal in this book, which was one thing that it's like, well, at least I've heard of her. Like, I don't really know anything yeah. about her, but I knew that she was in an alternate universe and that she's really popular. <clears throat> and I don't really need to know how she got into this universe. For me, it's just enough that, like, you know, comic yeah. books and she's here and, oh, what a surprise. So that was yeah. kind of exciting. And I, I kind of want to see what happens now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was also very pleased by the introduction of Spider Gwen. Um, uh, I love her character, and uh, it was definitely. Uh, and I feel like they made it addition. work introducing her in this universe by kind of giving us the fake out where, like, at first we we thought she was one of the clones, but then it turns out, oh, she's not. She's Spider Gwen. Yeah. Uh, so it was kind of it, like if they would have just outright been like, oh, Spider Gwen, she's here now, then it would have been too. Like, I see what you did there, Marvel. <laughs> but for me, like, this introduction worked really well. Um, as far as Spider-Man, uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man goes, you can go back and catch up on the eight issues that are out now. But if you would rather just jump in, there's a new issue coming out next week, and that's going to be the end of a story arc. You'll probably want to jump in on December's issue. Okay. That looks to be the start of a new of a new story arc. I will. I'm going to read that. Um, yeah. Um, also coming out next week, and I don't know if you have any interest in this, but uh, Thanos number one comes out next week, um, who is like the big Marvel baddie. Yeah, in the, I know Thanos. In the, yeah. I blatant, mean, I don't know. Blatant dark side ripoff. Yeah, I've heard of him. <laughs> uh, 
I don't know about all that. I feel like he's definitely come into his own. A few oh, I know he ago. has. I'm I'm just trolling. But I mean, he yeah, definitely he was definitely 100% based on Dark Side. Um, but that's fair. I I will give him credit as having become his own. He's his own thing now. I I get yeah. that. Uh, I don't know if that interests you, but that is coming out next week. And it looks okay. to be one of the number ones. Um, also this week, which uh, I just want to mention this briefly because you might be interested in it if you're looking for more Avengers action other than this sort of Avengers book that came in out this week that we talked about. Uh, they're doing this uh, sort of parallel series uh, to Avengers, which takes place actually in the 60s Avengers. It's about like, the old school Captain America and when he had to reform the Avengers with Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch and uh, Hawkeye. Um, And it's, it's like an old, it's a very old school Avengers story with old school art style. Like it, it very much takes place in the Stan Lee era and it's just sort of classic Avengers storytelling that you literally need to know nothing about other than who are the Avengers, you know? Um, I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but uh, it was very good. And it's written, all, again, by Mark Wade, who uh, writes Champions and uh, gets to be this a little bit... Right. Un- what? Did you say this is out right now? Yeah, this came out this week. Okay. Um, so it's sort of like, if you don't want to worry about Marvel continuity and history, this is just a straight-up Avengers story, you know? Okay. Um, and it might be worth checking out. Cool. Um, but I'm glad you're liking Champions. We'll keep up on that. I wanted to... Briefly mention uh, two other number ones that came out last week, Occupy Avengers and Unworthy Thor, because uh, they were both very, very good. Uh, Occupy Avengers is f- is following Hawkeye after his acquittal from uh, killing the Hulk. Uh, but despite all that Civil War II nonsense, this one I truly believe you don't really need to know much about. It's just about him sort of being on the run, and he comes across this Indian reservation with, uh, or sorry, Native American res- reservation uh, with a poisoned water supply. And so he sort of becomes a champion of the people trying to like fight this corporation that has been poisoning their water supply. This is Occupy um, Avengers? Yeah. Okay. So it, what it's really about is I think Hawkeye's kind of setting off on his own and becoming a hero to the people instead of fighting like cosmic threats. He really fights like for the the oppressed and the disenfranchised which i think is going to be and it's written by david s walker uh or david f walker who writes power man and iron fist and wrote that great nighthawk series that wow we it's like about. it's it's almost like they're putting hawkeye into a context where his character can actually be interesting hey man don't you fight hawkeye you know he's my favorite wait is he you really know he's my favorite you like yeah, hawkeye I, I have the hawkeye shirt that has like the purple arrow thing on it i love hawkeye i I guess I knew that. I just kind of forgot. Hawkeye and Iceman are my two top. <laughs> I just kind of forgot, which is, you know, Hawkeye's life story. <laughs> uh, I mean, it is, though. Uh, they play that up in the comics a lot. Uh, but uh, Unworthy Thor number one also came out. You've been asking, you know, why is there a female Thor? And it's because the original Thor uh, was found unworthy uh, to hold the hammer Mjolnir. And so now he just has, like, this axe, and he's just kind of depressed and driven to drinking again and uh this is about his quest to reclaim his worthiness and he finds the hammer of ultimate thor who you and i are uh remember from the ultimates Uh, okay ultimate thor's hammer ended up in our universe when he died it's so weird how they're doing all these connection things between ultimate universe and whatever the what's what's the normal universe called 
six one six. I universe prime. I don't know. Okay. Um, but uh, I like that Marvel takes the effort to make their continuity so precise. That's something that I kind of like DC, the individual titles are easier to jump in on, but I don't like that. I don't have a vision of the whole world, you know, like I don't, I don't have this understanding of how they all connect. And I think Marvel does that really well. I think their continuity is really tight. Um, and so I like like, oh, they killed the ultimate universe, but his hammer is still here. And so now Thor can go after ultimate Thor is ha- like, I love that kind of nerdy connection stuff. And so, okay. uh, this one was very well written and uh, is following the Odin son as he uh, tries to reclaim the power that he used to have. Because uh, right now he can't even fly, and so he rides around on a flying goat. There's like a joke about how he needs his goat to uh, to get around. Uh, and uh, there's like this awesome scene where he he hurls his axe at like a fleeing enemy in space, and the and he misses, and the axe just keeps flying through space, and he has to send his goat to go get it because he can't on his own. And uh, it's okay. just uh, there's some good jokes about how like how just kind of pathetic he is now that he's you've, not. You've the piqued horror. my interest. <laughs> um, let's talk about um, Doctor Strange. The film. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're uh, we're getting we're coming up on the one hour mark. Oh, are we? Oh yeah. man, I thought this was going to be a shorter episode than normal. Yeah. Um, well, we try, don't we? <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk Doctor Strange. Um, I have been very excited for this movie. I love Doctor Strange. Um, I love seeing magic introduced into the Marvel Universe because it's a big part of the comic book universe, and I wanted to see it uh, sort of uh, reappear in the cinematic universe. And overall, I thought this movie did a really great job um, with one kind of big caveat that I'm going to get to in a second. Um, First of all, one thing, one big difference right off the gate, there's a new Marvel Studios intro. Normally, before all the Marvel movies, you see, like, the flipping comic books, you know, and all the different panels, and it says Marvel Studios. They've replaced it with an intro that just shows clips from the Marvel Universe films, which I thought was a pretty bold statement where, you know, before it was saying, this, this is our comic book world brought to life, and now they're saying, well, this universe is strong enough to stand on its own. This is part of this you know, kind of big thing. And so well, it does have a lot of movies now. Yeah. It's, it's a huge kind of sprawling universe now. And I thought it was the right time to kind of make this intro. That's like, Hey, you're watching part of this, this universe that stands on its own, you know, and isn't just related to the comics. Um, Dr. Strange's origin story is, I think out of a lot of superheroes, a little bit weaker. Um, do you know Dr. Strange's origin? Uh, you told me. So he was the best, uh, like brain surgeon in yeah. the world. And then basically. he like gets an injury where his hands are all shaky. His so he hands starts studying magic. Crushed. Yeah. And for, I was really worried about that aspect of this movie. I thought maybe they would, uh, it, it would end up being too cheesy, but man, they they nail it, and it, it happens very quickly. They don't dwell on it. the The entire sort of origin stuff gets dealt with very quickly. But the pacing is so well done. Was it all uh, within like the first fifteen minutes or so? 
No, I would say it's like the first act of the film, probably like 30, 40 okay. minutes to get through all of it. Um, but it really establishes how Doctor Strange is an egotistical asshole. Oh. Like he <laughs> he mistreats the people in his life. And I think that's part of what makes him interesting because when he goes to learn magic, he really has to humble himself because he doesn't know anything and he thinks he knows everything. You know, he thinks he's the smartest person in the world. Um, and he mistreats the people in his life and it's his overconfidence that causes him to get in the accident in the first place. Um, and he tries everything to fix his hands and he blames all the doctors for messing it up when, when he can't fix his hands, he says, I could fix it if I were doing this, you know, but no one else can. Um, and then he finds out about this, uh, person whose spine was severed and now walks again. And he goes and finds that person. And he says, what did you do? And he says, this is where I went. And so he goes to Kathmandu to try to find this place and ends up in the domain of the Ancient One, who is the Sorcerer Supreme of Earth. And from there, it's he starts learning, you know, uh, magic. Uh, and this film more than I think any other Marvel film really hinges on its visual effects. I made a point of seeing this in 3d because all of the reviews said you had to like, hmm. and I am so glad I did. Um, because the visual effects are just like stunning and they're not, they're not just action. It's, it's not, it's not just like blind action and explosions and cool stuff like that. Like it's very, it's sort of like inception, times a thousand like it's yeah like, I've, I've heard that it's super that the visuals are amazing and that they're super trippy yeah like i mean everyone's seen the trailer it's kind of like those visuals that are in the trailer but a lot more of them and uh it they use them very smart smartly like the way they like go through portals and the fights you know continue in uh in new cities after they go through a portal and uh it, it's it's very very uh cool um Benedict Cumberbatch does an amazing job as Doctor Strange. I mean, he's just a fantastic actor, and he really sells sort of the ridiculousness of the character in a very straight way, which must have been very hard. Um, so why should I wh- why should I see this movie? Um, because I think it's an awesome uh, sort of fantasy action movie, um, and I think it's very funny and uh, shows a. I mean, he's really sort of a, a Tony Stark-like character, um, but it's a Tony Stark-like character that sort of evolves throughout the movie. Tony Stark is always going to be an asshole. He's always going to be Tony Stark. This movie is sort of about an asshole who discovers that he needs to be someone that helps people and in, in, in sort of tame his ego. through Story of redemption. Do. Yeah. I do have one big complaint, um, and that's okay. about pacing. Um, I'm real sensitive to pacing in movies. Like I, I need to know where we are in the film. Otherwise I, I don't know what to set my expectations as. And you will not like suicide squad. Um, it's, this movie is very strange because first of all, to its credit, it subverts the usual Marvel climax, the usual Marvel climax of like, Oh, now we're fighting the big bad guy. And, uh, the hero's going to look really strained, but then there's going to be a bunch of explosions and he'll save the day, you know? Uh, this sort of climax takes place on sort of a magical plane with really Doctor Strange just sort of uh, outsmarting the villain and sort of tricking him into uh, into submission rather than just See, punching that, him in the face. That sounds um, actually interesting. 
Yeah, it is. Here's my complaint, is that the first half of the movie takes place over a very large span of time. You know, it starts with him as the, as the surgeon, and then he gets in this accident, and then he tries different ways to resolve it, and then he goes to Kathmandu, and he learns magic. Like, this could... I, they don't explicitly say it, but it could be years, really, that this first half takes place in. And then he's just sort of learning magic for the purpose of regaining control of his hands. That's all he wants. And then about halfway through the movie, he learns about this evil magic being called Dormammu, who is the villain of the movie. Um, and learns we that we didn't, we didn't, uh, warn for spoilers. So be careful. Yeah. Uh, well now there's going to be spoilers. Um, oh. <laughs> sort of. uh, he learns okay. that we, we repeat spoilers beyond this point for the <laughs> Doctor Strange movie. Okay, giving you let's give him a couple seconds to pause slash mm-hmm. turn it off and go. All right, so he learns about Dormammu, and he learns that these people aren't just learning magic to fix themselves; they're learning magic because they're fighting dark magic. He learns that they're actually warriors. From the time he learns that to the end of the movie. I believe all takes place in a day. And Mm. so it was so jarring because there's no break at that point. The second he learns about Dormammu, there is the bad guys show up. There's a big fight. He fights back and gains a little bit of control over his powers. Uh, Somebody dies. And then there's the big final battle and it all just happens at once. And so when we got to the end of the movie, I thought we were only through the end of act two, you know, how movies have like a three act structure. Usually there's like a break in the action before we go into the climax. There is no break in the action. It's just straight through. He finds out there's bad guys. And then we're at the end of the movie and he's now the sorcerer Supreme. Like it's, everything happens in such a short span of time versus the first half of the movie, which took place over such a long span of time that we got to the ending. And I thought we still had another 45 minutes left and then it ended. And I was very disoriented um, and sort of disappointed. Cause I was like, cause I was literally thinking to myself, wow, that was so cool. I can't wait to see how this finishes. Honestly, sounds like a over. pretty, pretty major caveat. It is. It is because while I loved everything else about the movie, it ended and I was like, oh, oh, it's over. And I was left definitely wanting more. You never get to really see Doctor Strange settle in as Doctor Strange, like living in the Sanctum Sanctorum and having uh, Wong as his assistant and being the Sorcerer Supreme. You just get the, sort of this crazy deluge of action and then the film is over. And so... I feel I definitely feel like I need to watch it again now that I know where the ending is and maybe uh, it will sit with me better. But and maybe other people didn't perceive it this way. Maybe this is just how I perceive the, the pacing. But I there should have been more of a break in the action somewhere to let us know, hey, we're going in to the the big climax now, you know, is there a love interest in this film? Yeah, but, man, it's inconsequential. Like, it's Rachel McAdams, and they both do a great job, but this film is at its weakest when it's trying to, like, shove the mystical parts of Doctor Strange into his normal life at the hospital, which it tries to do. Rachel McAdams is, like, a a doctor at the hospital that uh, he's had a relationship with. And 
I do think that's where this movie is at its weakest is when it's uh, trying to establish this rapport between them. The dialogue that's suddenly gets where awkward and it's basically not. all for, for me, that's where basically all Marvel movies are at their weakest. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I don't know why they just keep, I mean, I guess I do know why they keep doing it is because that's generally part of the yeah. formula for movies. Like but, Civil War was a fantastic movie, except why did he have to kiss Sharon Carter? Like, no one asked for that. No yeah, one cares if Cap just, likes Sharon Carter. Like, yeah, I know it's a thing in the comics, but, like, it's it's his old girlfriend's granddaughter. Like, don't do that to us. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that didn't even really detract from, like, time. I mean, th- that didn't take up very much time in that movie. Yeah. So that's not one of the prominent examples for me. But I just feel like everyone, like, all the ones from, like, the first... Like, all those first ones that came out, like Hulk, Thor, Iron Man. I think Tony Stark and Pepper Potts work. I think Tony Stark (laughs) and Pepper Potts work really well. Yeah, well, it it did work fine, but also, that was the first one. When they kept repeating that same formula every time, I was like, guys, can can you not do that? I mean, like, just because they're movies doesn't mean they have to follow every Hollywood cliche. Yeah, I didn't think Doctor Strange needed a love interest. I thought it was pretty unnecessary. I mean, it it serves the device of him having a tie to the real world, but that could have also just been a friend or a colleague. Like, it didn't have to be a love story, you know? You know who doesn't have a love interest? Hmm. Batfleck. That's true. Boom. Mic drop. Um... So Doctor Strange, I thought, was very good. A very welcome addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't think it's their best um, because of these pacing issues. Uh, But I am so stoked to have Doctor Strange now join with the Avengers because I think he was such a powerful force in this movie. And uh, I can't wait to see him with everyone else. Cool. Yeah. Uh, In closing, um, William is the man in black. I don't think so. I he disagree. He definitely is. How much can we bet money on this? Uh, I. Why don't we like bet like a donation to someone? We'll do this off air. We'll figure out a bet. To <laughs> okay. All right. That is inconsequential to the podcast. Let's simply talk dollar amount. <laughs> Three hundred dollars is something no. I don't have in my bank account. <laughs> I'm gonna go with like. Let's say 15. Uh, the person that loses has to buy the potato salad at Thanksgiving, if we find out by then, <laughs> which I don't think we will. Yeah, and definitely won't, because there's only going to be one episode between now and then, and I, I really? really don't is think they're going to... Thanksgiving coming up that fast? Oh, man, yeah. it is. Yeah. No, wait. Whew. No, okay, there's two episodes. Okay. Assuming they air one next weekend. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We'll figure out a bet, but I don't think William is the man in black. He definitely is. You're wrong. You've never been more wrong. You do watch a lot more and like here's, theory videos than I do, though. And here's why. Okay? okay. Here's why William is the man in black. Okay. Because, A, it's too good for them to not do it. Okay? That's that's reason number one. And I realize that's not evidence. That's purely speculation. I mean, all of it is purely speculation, but... 
it just makes too much sense. Like the themes of him choosing which color hat he's going to wear. By the way, spoilers for Westworld, maybe. I don't know. If you're not caught up, just shut off the podcast now. Um, <laughs> the, w- when we first meet him, he's coming in the park and they're like, which which hat do you want to choose? And he chooses the white one very definitively. And then there, his buddy makes a little comment about like, go black hat with me for a while. Okay. Yeah. Remember when his buddy yep, said that? I remember all this. And there's all this stuff about his little relationship with Dolores, and oh, he loves Dolores, and he's a good guy, and he wants to be the hero. And they're constantly juxtaposing it with the man in black, who obviously they're trying to drive that point home that he's wearing black, and he's being the bad guy, and he says things to Dolores, like how they've known each other for so long, and you know, when he... Uh, God, I can't even say the word without feeling like I'm cursing. When he rapes her, you know, like there's yeah. like this, you get this feeling like they've been doing this so long and it just kind of, that doesn't prove anything, but number three, okay. Number three reason that okay. he is the man in black is because every, like they're always, he's always talking to his buddy who's his soon to be brother-in-law about how the West world is about to go under and they're failing and their company's thinking about buying them out. And then there's some comment that Ford makes to the man in black about how he saved the park from going under. And yeah. we know that William works for the company that the, that the douchebag brother-in-law works for because mm-hmm. they have that conversation about how he got hired. And he was like, that was the best day of your life. Wasn't it? <laughs> so like the pieces fit together so perfectly that I'm just sure that, that – that, I mean, I know this show is going to be full of those kinds of twists, and I bet they thought we'd have no idea because they underestimate the power of people talking on the internet. Here's uh, the thing that I can't, I can't figure out another way around, though, is that when Dolores is in the barn and she shoots for the first time that, uh, that guy that's attacking her, she has a flashback to being assaulted by the man in black. That she has this memory of the man in black being in there in the same position, and that's what causes her to pull the trigger. From there, distraught, she runs away, and she runs into William's camp. And I'm pretty sure she still has the gun with her. Was that episode three? I think it was, it's the end of episode three into the beginning of episode four. I'm gonna watch those. That's that's and I'm uh, gonna explain to you why you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> the one thing that I will say in your camp though is I don't think William has met Maeve yet. And they say in the most recent episode that Maeve has only been in her current position for like a year and a half or something like that. Uh She's like, I've been in there for 20 years. And they're like, no, you've only been there for a year and a half. And I don't think William and Maeve have met. If they meet, I think that will be definitive proof that yeah, oh, definitely, William is yeah. not the man in black. If but they said, have, yeah. because But right now, William and, and his friend are so far away from that main entrance town that, you know, who's in, who knows if they'll ever meet Maeve. Well, wait a second, though. Didn't he meet Maeve? Did he? I know he met um, the other prostitute in the bar yeah. because she was trying to get him to, like, hook up. Yeah. So I, I'm sure I remember him meeting her. I'm not sure about Maeve. I'm not sure. That would, I think, effectively disprove the theory. Yeah. 
because at the time when, because if we're assuming that William is the man in black from when he first started coming here, then that's 30 years before current day. Right. So there's no way that Maeve was uh, the the owner of the brothel then. No. So. She has a flashback, in fact, to meeting the man in black when she was, when she still had a daughter. Remember? All right. I got to go back yeah. and take a look at episode two. All right. Keep me updated. Uh, <laughs> yeah, st- stay posted, folks. We're going to figure this one out. Uh, we didn't shake hands on that bet yet, so I'm going to table it. <laughs> All right. Well, um, my final note is go watch Gotham because season three is the best season so far. They're finally putting out episodes that are like just amazing. Um, it's not, not every moment is amazing. Like sometimes they're still like, oh, Gotham kind of moments. But <laughs> um, they had one with Mad Hatter which is Benedict Samuel as the Mad Hatter. He is amazing. Like, if you're a Mad Hatter fan, you, I, I mean, let me put it this way. If you're a Mad Hatter fan and you don't like this interpretation and this take on the character, I can't help you because <laughs> it's so good. And it's we're here so, to help you. so good. It's, we're here to help so you, but if you don't like it, then we can't help you. Help it's us so help good. you. Help me help you. That's right. <laughs> Uh, Okay, so I'm all out of things to say. Yeah, that'll do it for this week. Uh, Catch us next week. We will be talking about more comic books and things like that. Uh, And we'll maybe be talking about Black Friday specials or something. Yeah, we'll we'll see what we're going to do for that. Uh, But this is Dalton and Chris signing off. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Bye-bye.